Hello and welcome to We're Listening, a new podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Key. And this week we are looking at the second episode of Series 1 titled Space Quest. So Key, after wrangling with the podcast demons and the troubles with the pilot, we finally got to the first proper episode of Frasier, I think it's fair to call this. What are your initial vibes revisiting Space Quest after all these years? Because you might not have watched it for a while. I haven't seen Space Quest for probably a good year or two, actually. I think what surprised me, I was really surprised watching this back that this wasn't the episode where Daphne and Niles first meet. I'm not sure if I must skip to episode three or something because I fully expected the moment where he does the whole, oh, I'm, I'm quite an Anglophile, and, you know, but they they do, they do have not met yet at all. So I assume that's, it's the next episode. It must be then, yeah. I think the next episode is dinner at eight. So, yeah, that's interesting then. One thing to kind of pay attention to next episode, I guess, that the final, the first kind of introduction of those two together it is just yeah it's it's iconic i think in the in the series i was gonna say given the way their relationship goes over the series mm. and in, in many ways it's such a unique sitcom relationship because i think we, we were mentioning in the first episode that most sitcoms you're rooting for that couple they get together and then that's the end of the show we see the whole roller coaster of their relationship and and i think that's what makes it quite unique as an episode as a relationship and, and as a series really i think so yeah so that's an interesting starting point with space quest it's an episode where niles and daphne still haven't met um yeah. it begins with fraser giving what can only be described as an inhumanely loud yawn um <laughs> from from his bedroom which always when i first put, when i always put this episode on it sounds to me like he's crying in agony there are other episodes where he makes this noise when he's like despairing or he's grieving or something and it sounds exactly like this noise so i always think something terrible has happened then you see him in his dressing gown and his unkempt hair i mean that's the yawn i want is the yes. everyone should know I'm arriving, Yawn. <laughs> you should walk into the living room with your dressing gown kind of half open yeah. and your chest hair visible and people will know you've arrived for breakfast. Exactly, yeah. That's the, that's the goal in life. It is the goal in life. In fact, while we're at the breakfast scene, I want to test you with the first trivia question I prepared. Okay. What does Daphne put in Fraser's Starbucks blend of coffee? Oh, is it, I want to say eggshells. Correct, that's one ingredient. Oh, there's something else as well. Is it a kind? It's a some kind of spice, but I don't know what spice. I will, I will give you that. It's eggshell and allspice. Oh, so, okay. So it's not just one spice; it's all of them. <laughs> so <laughs> you're pretty close. Spice? It's like a weird kind of mix of like I think five to ten kind of spices. I might be completely wrong there. Um, this isn't a culinary podcast. Um, could be. We'll it, see how it progresses. It could, yeah, depending. We could buy the the what's it called the Cafe Novosa Connoisseurs Cookbook. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Okay, so there's there's a, there's a book that came out, um, yeah. kind of an official Fraser piece of merch, and it's called the Connoisseurs Cookbook, and it's got Fraser and Niles drinking coffee on the front, and it's full of I presume recipes from the show, so Fraser's duck a l'orange and has he got egg in the nest? It probably does have egg in the nest, but I think the book's like out of print and it's really quite it's quite valuable actually it's hard to get a copy of my first trivia questions in in this uh, in this scene as well okay hit me okay so according to daphne how many weeks of winter are left six more weeks of winter yes six more weeks of winter six more weeks of winter i like this little reference to the groundhog and um, yeah absolutely this is really blasphemous but i've not seen groundhog day never seen groundhog day no and it's this is really weird because i swear on my life this that's that's the second time today I have made that concession to someone. So I, I was teaching a class at uni earlier 
and a girl mentioned Groundhog Day, and I had to admit to everyone in the class that I hadn't seen it, and I felt abysmal. There is literally one day a year Sky Movies just play the film on repeat all day. I love that. It's a nice little Easter egg. Yeah, it's a beautiful moment. One of Bill Murray's best films. The fact that I lost all credibility as a teacher in that one moment, I think, speaks volumes about how I mean, yeah, I wouldn't trust you as a teacher. I don't think think you should. I think (laughs) the film's such a classic that, um, yeah, I don't think I should be trusted. So they have their breakfast. One of the few instances, I made a note here, it's one of the few instances where the title card is an actual line from the scene. And I've written that down and I can't remember what the title card actually says. So I'm going to have to go over to our friends at KACL. I have have in front of Um, me, dear God, it wasn't a dream. Dear God, it wasn't a dream. Thank you. That is why I needed a co-host for this podcast. Exactly. So you, That's so why I'm here. Save me from my inane note-taking. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he says that when he speaks to Daphne, he has this kind of moment of thinking, who the hell are you? Has this really happened? And just the way she's speaking, like her little mannerisms, like uh, something, something, if you're not up with the cock. She's very, very, well, she's meant to be very English. I feel she's a, an American's view of what the English are like. Yeah, and I think in that scene in particular, it's kind of heightened because Fraser's like still half asleep. It's like this weird fever dream he's having. It. Yeah. He's having. Well, she's she's trying her. to find tripe in Seattle. She's trying to find tripe. Yeah, that line I always kind of thought, have they just thrown that in there to really hammer home that she's British? Yeah. Or... In, in many ways, I think this actually could have been a scene from the pilot. I think I, I agree. Actually, yeah, it's it's strange because he he seems like he doesn't know her, and she just, you know explains that she's a healthcare professional and she's moved in to look after his dad. It's it's very much it feels like he's explaining who she is for people who might have missed the pilot. Yeah, that's that's a really good point actually. And I've got a I've got a, a note I've uh, jotted down here, which is kind of skipping ahead a few scenes, but it's worth mentioning. Is when Niles first comes into Cafe Nervosa. One, he's just generally way more uptight in this scene than he was in the pilot. He's like yeah. really fussy and he's speaking in Italian and he just comes across as like a real snob. But it's the fact that the first question he says to Frage is, How is father? He doesn't say, How is dad? And again, they discuss, but I mean, they, he goes straight back to this. It might be that scene, it might be a later scene, but they go straight back to discussing whether Frazier wants Martin to be living with him. Should they put him in a home? Yeah, I, I think when I rewatched this and I was making notes, I didn't think how many echoes it has of the pilot, but it is kind of a second pilot. I guess. That's what it feels like to me, actually. I think it's more of a pilot than the pilot in some ways. Yeah, I, I think I think it feels like a much nicer introduction to the show. Um, there's, a lo- there's a lot less KACL, I think, in this one. In terms of content and substance, not a lot really happens. If you think this entire episode is Frasier wanting to get some peace and quiet. But yeah, all- yeah, exactly. Like Summed up in a line, it is just his quest for solitude, I think. Today, more than most, I feel an overwhelming need for solitude. I've got a fascinating book here, a comfortable chair, and a soundproof booth. But in terms of the, the first scene as well, what we start to get is we get, it goes straight into like family life. The two of them together just doing normal things in a family. Just having breakfast, he's, that's not my usual routine. You know. Yeah, that kind of hammering home. I like Fraser's little morning routine, how he kind of freaks out when someone's taken the rubber band off his newspaper. He knows it's been read. That is definitely um, me. The second anything is yeah. not where I think I've left it. It is a conspiracy. A question I've got to you then is, do you have a morning routine like Frasier's? Do you have like the, the same things you do every morning? So obviously you get up at the same time. You've got a, you know, a full-time job. Do you have any morning routines? Not really, to be honest with you. I, I get up, I brush my teeth, get dressed. And it's not, I don't think, I've not really got a morning routine. You've not got a morning routine. That's I don't, I don't eat breakfast so, as well, so I don't sit down and eat the same meal. Don't have day. breakfast. You don't make I, yourself eggs in a nest. No, no, I'm, I'm going to start. I can promise you that. Wow. 
Why don't you have breakfast? You're not starving by the time. One of those people I just want to get up, get on with my day, and get it over and done with. Honest to God, I yeah. I wouldn't survive without breakfast, mate. That's incredible. I mean, I, I would love. I feel like it's a fantasy for our generation, but I'd love the idea of I like, get up, have like egg and soldiers, read the morning paper. Um, I'm not exaggerating. I have egg and soldiers every morning. <laughs> I get up, I whack two eggs in the pan, I do some, you know, kitchen chores, and then by the time I'm done, bam, they're ready. Uh, do Do you read the morning paper as well? I don't. I'm not a big paper reader. Oh, um, there we go. I do subscribe to the New Yorker, even though that sounds like something Niles or Fraser would say. That is definitely um, something so Niles or Fraser would say. That. I do occasionally read that. Um, I'm going to hit you now with the second question I've jotted down on my Fraser trivia sheet. What book is Fraser reading that Niles spoils for him? Oh, I didn't get the name of the book, but I got how he spoiled it. I wrote it all down thinking that's something Will's going to ask. <laughs> no way, did you know? Um, okay, you don't know no. what you don't know. You're going to take a stab. Oh, I, no, I'm not even going to take a stab. It's going to be something. I know that a change in breathing can induce alternative state, alternate states of consciousness. Alternate states of consciousness. That is true. And those are the observations of one Stanislav Grolf in his book, The Holotropic Mind. Is that a word? I feel that's I not think, a word. I, I have a feeling it probably is in I mean, a neuroscience mind. context. It sounds so weird. Yeah, I think it's probably a neuroscience <laughs> term. Um, certainly not a word I've ever heard before or can imagine using in normal conversation. Um, if I know anyone who's going to use the holotropic mind in an ordinary conversation, well, it would definitely be you. I, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, but <laughs> I'm going to take it anyway. I'm going to take the comparisons to Fraser and Niles. I'm going to roll with it. So we have in this episode, we've talked already about the fact that Niles and Daphne don't meet in this episode, but we do have the introduction of another character, and that is Bulldog. Hey, where the hell's my Cosell tape? Somebody stole my Cosell tape! This stinks! This is total BS! This... Oh, here it is. Bob Bulldog Briscoe. Bob Bulldog Briscoe, everyone's least favourite sleazebag at KACL. Um, what I love the fact that he's introduced in with a plot device that's kind of never, ever referred to or mentioned again. And it's the fact that they've lost power in his normal studio. So he has to come and work in Frasier's. But then from this point onwards, he just works in Frasier's booth every every day. They, they never do away him. with the need for an excuse. Yeah. So they, they kind of, they, I think they, I don't think they need that. I think they could have just had that he's always on after Frasier. So it's interesting that they had that. And maybe that was a setup for something different that they didn't end up doing. Perhaps an excuse if it doesn't quite work out that, that they yeah, don't maybe. need to keep yeah, bringing that's, him back. That's a really good point. Yeah. Maybe if they, they felt that Bob, Bulldog Briscoe wasn't working as a character, then they can just think, well, he doesn't have to come in after Frasier. We can do something else with him. One thing also that I'm always drawn to about about um, Bulldog is um, obviously played by Dan Butler. And he's, I'm not sure, I don't know if it's a, it's a fair comparison to make, but he always draws parallels, I think, with some people of Neil Patrick Harris in, in How I Met Your Mother in the sense that it's two, uh, both, both gay men who are playing very womanizing kind of sleazebag characters in a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, they, they both do it so well. Yeah, it's, I think it's a really good comparison to make um, because, yeah, they are both gay in real life and their characters kind of, yeah, no one has more sex in Frasier, perhaps other than Ross, um, as as uh, as Bob Bulldog Briscoe. So. Or at least no one talks about it as much as Bob Bulldog Briscoe. Yeah, that's Brisco. probably, actually, yeah, I'm probably wrong in the fact that he probably doesn't get, get laid anywhere near as much as he thinks he does. <laughs> um, I think it's all a lot of bluster. But we do have in this kind of same scene with 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 Bob Bulldog. I keep calling him Bob. Um, I don't well, know what, I've it, never it, called him Bob before in my life. And it's really thrown me out because I'm so used to just referring to him as Bulldog. 
I'm referencing like he's a friend or something. Um, so we do have with Bulldog in this introduction, we have kind of the first impressions of Roz as being a sexually liberal character. Um, yeah, we have this wonderful phone call as well with her and her mother. Yeah, which is just so explicit and kind of imagining having a similar conversation with another member of my family on the phone makes my skin crawl. There's so many great lines in, in this phone call, the way she, and she does it a lot throughout the series, the way she, she just puts down the men that she's been with. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think of the episode where Eddie has all of the puppies and then she kind of, she fusses it and then hands it back and then Fraser goes, you know, how could you display, how could you toss it aside after such a tender display of affection? And she says, I can do it with men too. It's funny, that I think is, that's just such a brilliant way of summarizing her character. That's the exact line I was going to go to as well, actually. That is my definitive Roz moment, exactly that kind of situation. It's such a good, it's such a good moment because she just, she balances kind of humor and warmth, but also she's very autonomous and kind of headstrong and isn't really at the whims of any any of the men in the show. Um, like the power she has over Bulldog, for example, is really interesting. And she's um, capable that, of, like, of just flicking that switch instantly. Like she's really adaptable, um, kind of like a social chameleon, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. She has a really odd line that I've jo- uh, jotted down here, and I don't know if you, this kind of struck you as well. But the way she says to Fraser, "Do you want to go across the street and have one of those expensive coffee drinks?" is a bit strange. Is as a line. Yeah, not... like why would she? It's like Cafe Nervosa is this novel place that sells something other than regular coffee. Is it trying to get into the the fact that perhaps it's trying to make Fraser seem more pretentious than he is? Potentially, yeah, because she, as in, she might be ribbing him with that line. Do you mean? Yeah. The, oh, you yeah. Don't I, have think, these I think fancy I, drinks. And... I think she could be doing that. Yeah. Um, but the but way it she says strange. it, kind of, it's, it's ambiguous. The way she says it, it's, it's a weird line for sure. And it's in um, this scene I have my second trivia question. Okay, hit me. I'm loving this. Okay, so I've lost track already of the score, but I have no idea at all. <laughs> we push I on. I think I'm losing. I don't um, think you are. You had a really good. If if we do air the pilot, then you oh, did like you got three out of three, and I got one out of three. I'm so. going to say the pilot may sound terrible, but yeah, purely for the fact that I need to be winning this trivia, I think we then, should air it. Then we should advise people to go back and listen to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> listen to Kieran's moments of triumph. <laughs> um. So Fraser says he wants to be alone in this scene. Who does he want yeah. to get away from? <sighs> Names three different things slash people. Oh my god! I, I know the bit because he says I've got a soundproof booth. Um, he has a good book. Oh my god! I assume he's referencing Daphne and Martin and possibly Bulldog as well. Who does he want to get away from? Oh my god! I don't know. Can you give me one? <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. You've got one of them. He doesn't refer to him I've as got Martin. One. He refers to him as my father. Okay, you're gonna have to tell me. I'm embarrassed. I'll go somewhere. Yet again. Where my father, Mary Poppins, and the Hound from Hell can't find Oh, me. God. That's a really good question. I should know that. I should know I'm, that. That's a great I'm line. I'm talking of the Hound from Hell. For me, the star of this episode is Moose playing Eddie. Yeah, he's so good. He's I so good in the, this. The first episode, he really... We don't see that much of him, really, in the, uh, in the pilot. Mm. And I think this episode, we have that wonderful little back and forth with Frasier. It's the first time we really see that, I think, springing into life. Yeah, that's a good pun. I like that, springing into life. Because he's constantly jumping at the newspaper. Um, Yeah, I think it's a really nice relationship, like, established between between those two. Um, And yeah, I I don't know if you get this impression, but I feel like he's Eddie as, as a kind of physical actor, which is weird, a weird way of talking about a dog. 
I feel like he's used more in the early seasons than he is in the later ones. I don't know if that's something you noticed. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I would say that my comment of that is I've seen, I think, the earlier seasons a lot more than I've seen the later seasons. So it's possible mm. that I'm just going off the fact that I've seen season five maybe twice as much as I've seen season 10. That's um, a really good point. I'd probably I'd probably agree with you there. I, season five as well, I've been watching recently. I feel like I've seen that season loads more than I've seen others yeah but i feel that maybe that it's quite an maybe an easy gag to do in some ways just to have that sort that playing and maybe at the start of the show where you don't quite have these nuanced relationships in quite the same way as you do towards the end of the run of the show that Mm. that more not cheap but more that physical humor is just a bit easier to put across earlier on yeah no i think that's a really good point kind of off the tangent here i've got your third question if you want me to level it at you yeah okay what two items does Fraser notice are being stored away by Daphne and Martin when he comes into the apartment? Oh, okay. They're going down to the like, the storage area, aren't they? They are indeed. Oh, one of them was a lamp. It was. It was the Kusami oh, I lamp. I, I can't remember how he says it, but it's Kusami lamp from, according to the KACL script. And I don't remember the... Oh, I think I might have been taking a note, and because I was, I was so keen to like get right down all the title cards. I thought I'd test you on a title card. <laughs> That's, uh, I didn't even think to test you on them. I guess because um, they're always, uh, they're always hanging around on the KSL scripts we look at. So I always think maybe he'll see it on there, and then my question no, rubbished. I mean, I can tell you right now from my notes, it was a couple of white guys sitting around talking. Yes, it was. And that it, is the title card. In writing that down, I've missed whatever came first in his, his list of things. Well, there's a clue in the title card that they're sitting. A chair. It is a leather wing chair, his leather wing chair. Um, oh. I don't actually know what his leather wing chair is. I can't remember what it looks like in the show. The only other chair I, uh, that's ever featured, I think, that has leather on it is the Wasili chair, which is that kind of posh, modern-looking metal and black thing that he occasionally puts in the place of Martin's chair during like oh, dinner honestly. parties. As soon as you said it, I couldn't picture it straight away, but I did hear him say, "Oh, my Wasili." He said, "What well, he says that in this episode?" Not in this episode, but there's definitely an episode where he, he makes a point. Of okay, saying, oh, I wasili. thought for a moment then that it wasn't his leather wing chair; it was his Wasili, and I've no, completely no, missed the fact that. Okay, that's okay. My third and last trivia question is also from this scene. Okay, so which of Kyle's eyes is really looking at you? Is it the brown one? Yes. Yeah. It is the brown one. Yes, Finally brown got one, one right. Oh, I, I thought I might get you there. I thought you'd turn and go, the left one? No. No, it's that, not. Yeah, I, I did start to think. I started to think first, does he mention it's left or right? And then, yeah, I like the fact that there's like a pun layered within a pun in that in that line. I think that's a really good, a really yeah. good moment. One of the things I've jotted down about this episode, and this is very, I think as we go on, this will become more apparent about my own weird niche interests. But I've always, I've, I mean, in real life, I love rain and I love being inside when it's raining. I think it's really cozy to read or whatever. Um, I love, as sad as that sounds. No, I love being a, going to sleep when it's raining. I love the I get, sound of the rain outside when I'm trying oh, to get to sleep. For about the last five, six years, I, every single night of my life, I have an app on my phone called Rain Rain, and it plays rain sounds all night, and I sleep to that sound. It's on my pillow next to me. Oh, That's well. not a joke. <laughs> I know. It sends me right off. It is, it's, it. I'm like a baby in that sense. I'm going to be listening to this podcast to get me to sleep in future. Hopefully people will be doing that. Like, that would be yeah. the biggest compliment to me if people listen insult, to this to fall asleep. You, you lads send me to sleep. 
that that wouldn't I wouldn't mind. You know, I think a good podcast should should send one off to a, a good slumber. If but they give us a five star review, we don't care how you. Listen. We we don't care. But yeah, so I love rain. Self professed lover of rain, and I've made a note of the fact that there's a lot of rain used in this episode. So there's the thunderstorm when Fraser first arrives at the apartment. He thinks it's empty, and also the fact that when he's in Cafe Nervosa, he's kind of sitting in the the little seat, the window seat, and it's raining outside. And when Niles comes in, I just I just love that. I think the sitting in the window seat, reading in the rain in a place like Nervosa, it just feels really cozy and perfect. And in many ways sums up what i love about fraser so much is that comfiness i think do you think there's any deeper meaning to the rain in this episode or do you reckon that's just just mm, a way maybe it's it. just because his spirits are dampened because he can't find anywhere to sit i don't know um yeah. rain i guess also has to feature in some ways because seattle is so rainy yeah yeah maybe they've got to keep it true to the setting and just yeah have it raining as much as they can um great line delivery before he goes to Navosa when he's reading his book and he's telling martin that he needs him to be quiet and Martin just says thick in response to the book. Oh, I love that too. I, I, I was obviously we said we'd do our favorite quotes each episode, and I've already started to notice that so many of mine are going to be Martin's. Really? Yeah, I think he has some good ones in this episode. Do you want to share another you've picked? I think for me, I think my, my best quote for the whole episode. I mean, we're jumping ahead in terms of, of the plot a little bit, but that's fine. Go for it's it. It's this really beautiful moment where Frasier and, and Martin are having this really heart-to-heart chat. And Frazier opens up about his suicide attempt. And you have two brilliant lines from Martin. One is, And you didn't jump, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So good. So brilliant. The way it undercuts a really powerful moment. Yeah. Um, And the second one is is his own response when he has to share his own vulnerable moment. About two months ago, I was in the basement going through some old pictures of your mother and me. And all of a sudden, something flew up in my eye. And... When I was trying to get it out, I realized that I could turn my eyelid inside out the way kids do at camp. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. He's just, he has, I think in earlier episodes, he has more of a childlike quality to him than he does in later seasons, I think. I mean, he's when um, Frazier in that. The very next time, Fraser sort of comes back him and goes, that's not vulnerable. And he goes, it hurts. <laughs> I love that. I've made a note, like kind of on my own note, saying that, yeah, that concession from Frasier, I think, is really amazing to come in the second episode of the yeah. series and it, to, to, I mean, to have so... the main character express suicide. I mean, and how many sitcoms are there out there which will even dare to discuss suicide? Yeah, and kind of deal with it in any meaningful way. And like it I is, mean, it's, other think... than Mar- obviously Martin undercuts that, but the way Frasier's talking about it, it's extremely dramatic and kind of powerful. Um, yeah. He's certainly not making a joke out of it, and the writers aren't making a joke out of it either. I can only think of one of the sitcom off the top of my head which deals with suicide as an issue mm. and doesn't just steer away from it. And that's, I think, in season one of The Simpsons, there's an episode where Homer considers suicide. Wow, I don't even remember that. What episode is that? Can you, what happens? It's the one. He ends up becoming, I think, the um, the health in, health and safety ex- inspector at the plant. Right. But it starts out with him getting, I think he gets fired at the start of the episode and then ends up trying to smash Bart's piggy bank to, to get some money, I think, to buy beer. And he ends mm. up leaving him a note saying that he's a worthless failure and he ends up getting a big rock and he's going to jump over a bridge and his, his family get there at the last minute. They almost get hit by a car and, and he saves them. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's an area that as, as a sitcom, you most would not dare touch. Yeah, and I think The Simpsons gets away with a lot more because... 
it's animated it's obviously doing something a little bit different i mean the simpsons you know it's early seasons it dealt with a lot of really good mature themes and i think it deserves a lot of praise for that um yeah. but i think but this yeah Frasier's episode deals with yeah better than the simpsons did in season one yeah yeah well that episode of simpsons it's quite dark it it's not played for laughs at all. Mm. Um, or certainly that part of the episode is where you're really focusing on, on you know, depression and the suicide. Whereas this, it's played very seriously, but straight afterwards, it's straight back into the humour. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is weird the way it's kind of undercut with Martin, I think. Kind of, yeah, you have the gravitas of what Frazier says, and then immediately that's kind of spun on its head, which I think is really interesting. I've got here, um, we, I was trying to devise a name for this game. So I said before we started filming this, recording this, I was going to pick an obscure section or line from the show. Um, I mean, this could literally be anything from like, say only one character says the word no in a whole episode. I will ask you who said the oh, no. Oh God! But what I've got, I've got a phrase here. So I've called this "Whose crane is it anyway?" Oh, good uh, That doesn't necessarily mean it's a crane that's saying it, um, but it could be. Okay. And the phrase which I've taken from a kind of wider quote is "A day at the beach." A day at the beach. Who says a quote or phrase with those words included? In this episode. In this episode, yeah. I feel it's either Daphne or Martin, and I'm going to say Martin. You absolutely have smashed it out of the park. Yeah, I have a feeling. Does he say something like, um, oh, it's not a day in the beach, me being here as well, or something like that? I think, yeah, I think to, I think words to that effect is like, it's, you know, no picnic in the park. It's no day at the beach for, yeah, for me living with yeah. you. Yeah, it's a really good line, but you, yeah, you've done well. And I think oh. next episode, next, yeah, that we record, I want you to try and try and outdo me with your obscure line for me I've... to guess. I will. I'm glad. I'm look forward to it. Oh, actually, I mean, I've got I've got the script in front of me now, so I can I can give it a go. You've got one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hit okay. me. Aren't you the little hothouse orchid? Okay. Aren't you a little hothouse orchid? Aren't you a little hothouse orchid? I know the line. I feel like it's I feel like it's either it's either Fraser Martin or Daphne. I probably completely. Balls, they are the three main characters in the episode, so they yeah. are. So I'm probably <laughs> hedge my bets pretty confidently there. Aren't you a little hothouse orchid? Um, does Frasier say it? Martin. Oh, no, it always go with your gut. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd get you with the double Martin. Oh, man, you did get me. Well played, <laughs> Key. Well played. Um, so last episode in the pilot, again, we may be speaking kind of traveling through time here because the pilot might not be aired. It might not be out because of how badly recorded it was. Only the listeners in the future will know if the pilot exists. Um <laughs> But we talked about this little contest I have where they sit down to see if they can have a peaceful conversation without kind of interrupting or arguing with one another. And obviously that happens in this episode. And we were talking about it like it was seasons away and it was just one episode away. I was surprised when it happened, actually. I, I thought it was a few episodes time. Yeah, it's a really nice moment, I think. It's just the, the sort of like no sports and all those little kind of things they, they say that they can't talk about. And it, I, I think, think it seems like they're genuinely smiling at the end. I feel like they're genuinely smiling at each other as well. It looks like it's the actors smiling rather than the characters, if that makes sense. I, I, yeah, I agree. I think this scene is done to perfection. I think it's a brilliant yeah. scene. It starts out with, um, you know, I think they get less than one second. And it's just, it's done perfect. It's the, they've just, they've woven the comedy in so well to something that is so, it's such a deep scene, really. I mean, we've already mentioned, obviously, you get Frasier's very, 
very open opening up about suicide his depression and and how it was the thought of his son that stopped him from killing himself and i think that reference to freddy is a really moving kind of section of that as well i love that bit yeah and and then you go straight from that to to martin's oh so you didn't jump and I can turn my eyelids inside out. <laughs> but it, it is it's it is this really, really powerful scene. And I think and you know, it, it becomes it goes like in just a space of a few lines, it goes from that very, very beautiful, you know, very deep moment to them saying things like calling each other Mr. Egghead. Yeah, I know. It's like the the way the this show in general, the quality it's a test of the quality of the writers that they can weave serious mature themes with kind of slapstick and whimsical humor and you know all kind of vaudeville and, and all the other influences on the show the fact that even in like one episode the second episode of the series that they can successfully weave those things together is just yeah it's such a powerful kind of gift that the writers have i think it, it means they know their characters from day one and they know what they want their characters to be because it feels natural when they're doing it yeah yeah they do yeah. i think they had such a clear i mean it helped that they had cheers and that they had a base for fraser but to introduce characters like martin niles and daphne and get the get the ball rolling with them so quickly is yeah, yeah credit Particularly to how they were with martin you could be watching is thinking what, what's this guy doing he's, he's nice one minute then he's making a smart ass comment but mm. it doesn't feel like that at all because john mahoney does such a great job with it the writing's so perfect everything yeah. works yeah absolutely it's just it's a really it's a really lovely episode i'm glad that we kind of have this after all the trials and tribulations that we've gone through trying to set this podcast up it was nice to have a podcast uh, an episode that was really laid back about Frasier just trying to find some peace because i think we've both felt like that yes over the last 48 hours and i mean another thing about this scene as well that's that's great is i think we see just how intelligent martin is mm. because if you think i mean Frasier's not the one who appreciates that it takes a long time to build a relationship because Frasier wants him gone at this stage yeah yeah he does he does he doesn't understand that you're gonna have to put kind of years of of effort into rebuilding the fact that he hasn't seen him in however many years uh, yeah and i think i think as well this is the moment it starts to draw a line and uh, it's not this show's not going to be about he wants him gone you know they don't want to live together this is mm. you know we've it, it's real they've spent a couple of episodes now where do i want him to live with me and then there's been a bit of a settling in period but i think this is where they start to draw a line under it and then say okay now let's move forward and see what their relationship is actually going to be like together yeah yeah and i think it's so much stronger for that it's the fact that their relationship obviously there are so many relationships in this series that have such meaningful kind of components to them we compared in the pilot to, to friends quite a lot and the relationship between the individual protagonists and friends is interesting obviously you have kind of some falling in love some not some getting married some not obviously it's 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 interesting in a dramatic sense but they feel like they have way more meaning and kind of weight to them in, in a show like Frasier. and the fact that they didn't go down that line of oh let's have it as a bit of a slapstick slap ball comedy where martin wants to leave martin wants to stay fraser wants him to leave and they're constantly butting heads to have that evolve into like a really tender father-son relationship yeah. you know when john mahoney I... passed away kelsey grammar uploaded a picture on twitter of him hugging john mahoney on the set of fraser yeah. and he said you know i'll always miss you he was my father yeah i think well, i think i want to say to do a caption was like he was my father i loved him that was it that was the one and, and it just it's a, it's a I just beautiful a picture it's a beautiful oh, caption oh, i yeah. think I, had, I might have teared up looking at it to be honest with it's you, extremely because... emotional yeah and it just yeah. you know that john mahoney was such a kind of straight shooter he had no pretensions he was kind of what he was 
um, a fantastic actor in kind of film as well. But you just know that his character of Martin came from a kind of a place of, it came from the heart, I think. And everyone who watches this show and pay tribute to John Mahoney kind of knows that. Yeah, I completely, I mean, I cannot give praise enough to John Mahoney because he just, he does a fantastic, one of my favorite scenes of Frasier. I won't say, yeah, I'll get, wait till we get to the episode, but it is basically just a John Mahoney masterclass of a scene. I have a feeling, is it late, late on in the series? I think it is, yes. Okay, I'm not going to say what it is because I think I know what you're referencing. But yeah, it's a really powerful moment. Probably the yeah. the, the pinnacle of acting in the whole series, if it's what I'm thinking it is. I think um, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One thing I wanted to I wanted to ask. We we talked about this established this little recurring thing in the pilot. But each of us has drew up a list of our top ten favorite episodes. We don't know what's on each other's top ten, and periodically throughout each episode, I'm going to extend to you the question, and you can feel free to extend it to me. Is this in your top 10 is space quest in your top 10 it's not in my top 10 it's not in your top 10 i sometimes rewatch is... this and think it could be oh i feel like i've let you down now though no no you haven't let me down like i i appreciate because it's not in my top 10 either but i, I love I the think... fact that it's about fraser just trying to find a place to read his book because as someone who studies english literature i feel like that's all i do with my time 24 7 very much a fraser episode i think for me, all my great episodes have probably got a bit more Niles in, maybe a bit more Daphne in. Um, I think we have that. We have a great scene. I mean, I do absolutely love the scene between Martin and Frasier that we've just discussed. I absolutely love that scene. But for me, the rest of the episode, I'm not sure there's quite enough there compared to the other great, great episodes to put it in my top 10. That's a fair shout. I like the fact that you said there's not enough there. So I'm I'm, I'm imagining that the episodes you've picked are probably quite plot heavy. There's a lot going on in them. So I'm excited to kind of finally crack the nut and hear what the first one is. But I would say a lot of my episodes, if not all, no, not all of them, um, are quite a few of mine, I would say are episodes where very little happens. And that's why I think this could easily have been in my top 10. I tend to like the really quiet, understated episodes. I don't know how you kind of respond to that, if you agree or you prefer the the bra- you know the kind of brashness of, of the episodes where there's a lot going on. No, I mean, I love both. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, and I love, I mean, the episodes where it, it, you know, it's quite quiet, I think you do get these beautiful moments like you do with, with Martin and Frasier. Hmm. I'm just not so sure that I feel that the first scene, Daphne's still not quite developed. Yeah. Um, I think she's definitely a lot better than, than the pilot, I think, in terms of the accent and, and i think she start jane leaves is starting to get to grips with the character yeah um I, it's still that that scene just it feels a bit piloty to me as an opening i do agree i think yeah when we kind of discuss this as being maybe a second pilot or a pilot light um that's not meant to be a pun i know in america a pilot light is kind of the thing that keeps the oven lit the yeah. ignition source so yeah but i i do agree there are moments in this like niles being really uptight speaking in italian calling like martin father but then he calls him dad after that in the same conversation but the fact he causes him he calls him father in that opening question always jars me every time i hear it because i'm like hang on is this the pilot like why is he speaking like that they never call him father yeah i mean i can't think of off the top of my head oh, yeah, off the top of your head you can't hear any kind of any you can't remember any episodes where he calls him father no no neither can i it's it's weird i don't know why that kind of exists in that moment but yeah it's it's a it's a just maybe they're still feeling the character of niles out and they're kind of trying to get a a handle on what he would say is he going to be so uppity that he calls dad father whereas fraser calls him dad yeah i i definitely think at this stage that the writers maybe haven't got quite a grip 
on who they want Niles to be at this stage. Yeah, because like, do they want like a massive disconnect between him and Frazier, or do they want them to be more similar? Well, what's interesting is I obviously I'm a huge Frazier fan. My girlfriend has never really watched Frasier. Okay, you need to fix that. Well, I'm working on it. She's she's now seen <laughs> the first two episodes because she's been in the room while I've been re-watching this. Okay, I like that. I like that she's kind of on this journey with us in the background, a bit like a producer of the podcast. I mean, yeah, we could put it like that, yeah. <laughs> we'll credit her. I mean, she just sort of sits there and rolls her eyes while we're having our teething problems. But <laughs> other than that, um, but what's interesting is she's not that big a fan of Niles yet. Well, I, I don't blame her. In two episodes, I don't think he's particularly likable at all. And I, I don't think she's a huge fan of um david hyde pierce yet and i'm not sure i don't know i think okay. i think you haven't now, had the chance to love him yet you did mention to me before we started recording a little revelation involving david hyde pierce i don't know if you want to extend that to the viewers the listeners now yes i mean as we if anyone has listened to the pilot at the time of listening to this or, or will be listening to the pilot um we mentioned a, fi- a film in the pilot episode uh called the perfect host we did in which david hyde pierce plays the lead and he's it is now the only other thing I've seen David Hyde Pearson other than this. Okay, and I want to ask you, did you see anyone other than Niles the entire time you were watching that film? Right, this is the situation. Niall, not Niles, David Hyde Pearce. <laughs> see, it's already happening. <laughs> it started well. Um, yeah, David Hyde Pearce, I think he does a great job in the role. Mm-hmm. And definitely, if you weren't a huge fan of Frasier, you wouldn't think twice. But I mean, I, I'm worried about how much to say because I don't want to like spoil this if you're going to watch it. If anyone else are, is you going able to watch to just, it. are you able to give us like a synopsis in like a couple of sentences about what? the perfect host is about because it came out around 2010 2011 did it i think yeah Um, yeah i think it was about then i think we're going about back probably just under 10 years okay so if you can in in a slug line tell us what the perfect host is about and tease us with it there's see there's 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 some very big twists in it particularly actually fairly early on so i'm I'm cautious of how much to say what i will say is let's just say david hyde pierce is throwing a dinner party okay this does sound like fraser so far and it's more sinister than you might think straight away Okay, I think I haven't seen it, but I think in the pilot, when I described what I knew about it, I think I used similar words. So I yeah. wasn't a million miles away. Yeah, I think um, you can that, tell we talked from... about the poster. He's holding up a yeah. wine glass, and it's just, it looks like he's at like the wine club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, in the poster, I think he comes across, across as quite sinister. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty indicative of the film okay well, you know um, what i'm gonna do i am going to watch the perfect host before we record the next episode and okay. we will discuss our findings yeah. live it's on, on it's on amazon prime that's okay that's good it. i've got prime so i can check it out we should say other streaming services are available <laughs> they are indeed <laughs> um unless amazon prime want to sponsor us in which case just yeah, go that, to amazon that'd prime. be great i mean <laughs> i don't think that's gonna happen with our paltry listeners but um yeah who knows? Who knows where sponsorship but may be? What I will say is that throughout the film, I mean, it's a strange film. It's actually, it's a pretty strange film. Okay. Um, what I'll say was is it that good? I, I mean, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it's weird. It's one of the first films ever. I've watched it for if, all the way through, probably just over an hour and a half. And I wasn't sure at the end if I actually liked it or not. Okay. What like, about it put you off kind of committing to liking it? Was it disturbing? Was it? It's a, it's a bit disturbing. It's it's a strange. It is strange. Okay. I to but, be honest, the more you bang on about how strange it is, the more I want to see it. I think you will absolutely love it. I think it's right up your alley. Actually, I think it's your really? sort of film. Okay. Um, that worries me a bit. <laughs> but I think that as well, I didn't really know who to root for in the film, and I think that's okay. being a Fraser fan speaking. Okay. I feel that you're meant to root for one side maybe just more than the other, and I was not able to do that because I love David Hyde Pierce. 
Okay. Um, that, that is, is that's a good review of, of a good capsule review of the perfect host. So when people are listening to this, presumably the third episode is is not out unless you're listening to it when we've already released it and you're in the future. So we are going to discuss the perfect host at the end of next episode. So if you want to discuss that with us kind of telepathically, then we suggest you go away and watch it so we don't spoil what could potentially be a life-changing film. It, Who it knows? is actually, I mean, as I say, I wasn't sure when I finished it if I liked it or not. It's now, I watched it on Sunday and now it's now Wednesday. So it's been a few days. I actually now think I really like it. Okay, that it's, it's kind of had time to gestate and you've digested. Yeah, I think you need a bit of time the, uh... to just digest what the hell you've just seen. Yeah. Um, but no, I think actually, I really, really like it now, actually. Would yeah. you describe it as a dark film? Yes. It is. Okay. That's I feel good. you wanted I, more I, I to like, that, but yes, it is quite I, dark. I like dark films. Um, I'm willing to give this baby a go, and we'll see our, I mean, we'll, if we'll you're pull our findings. Like, it's not like gore and guts, and you're not going to jump out of your skin. Um, yeah, I'd say yeah. it's quite psychologically dark. I think that's good. I think that's better, actually. I think I was yeah. I was rereading. I don't know. There was a an article or something this morning about the Silence of the Lambs when I was commuting on the train. I was rereading about the Silence of the Lambs. Um, assuming you've seen that, it's an amazing psychological horror oh, slash thriller it's your time to judge me well you haven't seen Silence of the lambs that's okay i think that's less shocking than me having not seen groundhog day yeah i think so <laughs> yeah yeah silence of the lambs is great and i really recommend you check it out but i will watch groundhog day and i will watch the perfect host you have my promise but regarding space quest i think unless you've got anything in your notes that we haven't talked about we've there We've is done a pretty comprehensive slice. Yeah, there is one thing I will say is that I know in the first episode we discussed the title, The Good Son, was yes. referenced in the episode. It was a line in the episode. Yes. I, unless I missed it, I do not think Space Quest is a line in this episode. I do not think it is. Though when Frazier's kind of, he does he does use the word quest. He does. Yeah, and he does use the word space. He does. So I don't think that counts. But yeah, the fact he uses the word quest is telling. He does. I've, I've got the clip in that I'm going to splice in. Um, but he does use the word quest. So that's interesting. Yeah, we've got kind of a, a half hit there. Something to look out right for, words. I think, for kind of the, the, the future episodes that are on the schedule. Yeah, he uses all the right words, just not necessarily in the right order. Okay, one thing I think maybe we should do. Do you want to add like a little out of 10 ranking system? Yeah, I think that works for me. Um, see, I also I feel like I'm going to end up doing this and then we're going to get to the end of the season. And I'm going to want to change all my rankings. Uh, I think I that feel... is the nature of the beast with any kind of ranking, but we have to reconcile that and just go for it, I think. I'm going to say, can I do decimal places? Um, can you do decimal places? As in like just to 0.5? Yeah. Like, okay, do... yeah, yeah, yeah. Just 0.5. No like 0.7 recurring. <laughs> 0.5 I'll allow. I'm going to say... Oh no, maybe I won't do a decimal place. Um, okay, seven. Seven out of ten. Okay, it's not too bad. I thought you between were seven it or six lower than that. Yeah, I thought six point five was probably where you were you were headed more. Yeah. Um, I get the impression you like moments from this, but yeah, not all of it. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight. Eight. Such a strong. That might episode. seem inflated or high to you, and I'm probably gonna regret that. But I've always liked this because I've always just loved that central motif of Frasier looking for somewhere to read. It's always struck a chord with me. I think. See, for me, I love that last scene. 
as I've gone on about it for like probably half the podcast. I love the last <laughs> scene. Yeah. Um, but for me, I just think I just feel like there's better episodes coming and coming pretty soon as well. Yeah. I think I think you know there are some really good episodes in this season and on the horizon as well. Yeah. Um, so on it's, that it's note, strange. I think um, I should. Sorry, carry on. What are you going to say? I was going to say I think it's strange just how quickly they get into it. Like there's so many great first season episodes. Yeah. And there's probably after I don't know how many other shows you'd say that about to be honest. Yeah, I think a lot of. Certainly with a show like Friends, I always felt like that got much better as it went on. Um, I could easily Frasier the first season. Really, yeah, I think Frasier seems really front-loaded with great episodes. I mean, there are yeah. good episodes everywhere, but there's just so many, one after the other, in kind of the early season. So I completely oh, agree definitely. there. Absolutely, definitely. And I think when we do our, our top tens, I think that will show. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So next next week, we'll be looking at episode three, which is called Dinner at Eight. And it involves Fraser and Niles going for dinner with Martin and things don't go to plan. I love this episode. It's so good. It's it so, we so would just say that about every episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> but other than that, thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. I've been Will. Okay. We will see you in the next episode. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Well, maybe... But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scraps.